Welcome to Let's Talk Real Estate. I'm your host, Anna Olsisi, entrepreneur, realtor, and travel lover. Here's where I get to combine all of my passions into one and chat with guests worldwide about all things real estate. Join us for lighthearted banter, useful information, and the occasional outrageous anecdote. Welcome to Let's Talk Real Estate. It's been a while. It's been a while, Dan. It's I think been since, several months since we've had you on, and I'm so happy to have you back. It's always a great conversation with you. You're, in person, this is uh, different. I know yeah. it's in person. It's on video. Yeah. It's it's changed. Our, I had to shave. I you had to shave. Yeah. I had to do my hair and makeup. You know, it's all. Yeah, it's yeah. all kind of crazy, but right. you know, but here we are. So looking um, forward to it. So yeah, so Dan Coffee, who for all of you who don't know, who haven't listened to another episode, Dan Coffee's a mortgage banker with Ameris Bank, and he is my source of information, all things related to mortgages and to just the economy in general, because you're really good at at that as well. And so, you know, you're just, you have the pulse on all of that. And I love the newsletter you send out to realtors. Um, Thank you. It's often Sunday morning coffee or Saturday morning coffee or one of those. So I read it whenever it comes in. It's, it's probably, probably one of the only newsletters that I really read from top to bottom because it's so educational. So I'm just trying to make sure that uh, the folks that I deal with have as up-to-date information as they can. And when I'm talking with people, I will often say, let me check to see if anything's happened in the last 10 minutes. Things sure. are just constantly moving, yeah. uh, positive and negative. I just want my clients, my realtor clients, to understand as much as they can. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're doing that because an educated realtor is a much better realtor. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and we then can educate our clients as well, which is very important because even though you educate them, we need to educate them as well yeah. and um, to prevent issues like like sometimes we have at closings so i think people who uh, they want to this is a great experience buying a house and they want to enjoy it mm-hmm. and the more they understand about it the mm-hmm. more they're going to enjoy it so i, I exactly. try to educate right up to that point that helps them positively without drowning them in the uh the details that Right. They get drunk in. Right. But they need to know, I mean, to a certain extent, they need to know the details in order to be able to process the whole thing yes. and understand what they're getting into. Because oftentimes, I mean, it's not like a casual process to buy no, a house. It's, it's you know, the it's biggest purchase. Money. And we need to help quantify it for them as quickly mm-hmm. as we can um, and help them pre-qualify for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, helping them understand the monthly payments, but also the, the cost to get in so that mm-hmm. they feel comfortable with that and can shop with confidence that they're pre-qualified and that they're going to have the assets necessary and and all that. So the more education, the more we can prepare them, mm-hmm. uh, the more fun they're yeah. going to have buying. Exactly. Yes. And the less the less stressful for sure, you know, yeah. at, at the end, you know, getting there at the end and not knowing, you know, things like closing costs and yeah. all those are always that, a surprise. Yeah, that there is no excuse at all for people being surprised at the end right uh, as far as i'm concerned it's the our job to make sure that they know everything they can possibly know especially the money exactly yep it's all well it's all about the money really at the end so yeah so speaking of money yep money the situation's been a little bit crazy just in america in general with interest rates and uh, you're going to ask me where the rates are going, aren't you? I, I'm not going to ask you where they're going necessarily, unless you want to share that, because you probably don't have a crystal ball and you can't I, I, tell me where yeah, they're going. I had true story. I uh, back in uh, 1981, mm-hmm. four other loan officers and I, I was up in the Northern Virginia area. We went to Spencer's Gifts and we bought a crystal ball <laughs> and we went over to Ocean City, Maryland, and we buried it because we were oh so smart that we could outguess what was happening uh, with interest rates. I think there was a case of beer involved, but uh, yeah, I, would think. I swore at that time I would never strongly predict. All I try to do is, is tell people what I see mm-hmm. um, and then allow them to make their own decisions. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So interest rates, you know, you know the Fed interest rates yeah. affect the mortgage rates. Yeah. And so what are we seeing right now? We have seen the interest rates rise mm-hmm. as over the last year as the Federal Reserve mm-hmm. has stopped 
um, I'm going to use the word interfering, okay. has, has stopped um, trying to lessen the pain as mm-hmm. they have allowed the market to actually get to where it needs to be mm-hmm. for many, many years. I think that the Fed has tried, the quantitative easing is sort of a, a watchword for what, what they, they call this, but they've been trying to protect people from the pain of high rates. Right. They, and, and I've always looked at the economy as, a, as an organism that has its own um, rules, and a free enterprise uh, mm-hmm. is, is its own thing. And it, um, when you try to repeal natural law, mm-hmm. When you don't allow the organism to to go and flow, now that may be some pain for some folks. Sure. But if it's not allowed to because you want to save people the pain and you keep the interest rates down kind of artificially, Mm -hmm. and then you decide, as they did last fall, to allow the market to seek its own true level, that's Mm -hmm. when you see the rates finally rise to where they needed to be. So in terms of interest rates, I just looked yesterday on a... uh, 5% 5% down, and I have to kind of quantify this. Sure. Interest rates are a for mortgages mm-hmm. are a function of credit score and down payment. Okay. Someone with a 780 credit score yesterday, the rate was, and, and on a 5% down transaction, $275,000 okay. loan. Uh, the interest rate was six and a half. Okay. For that very same transaction, two hundred seventy-five thousand loan, the borrower with a seven twenty score, mm-hmm. the rate was six and seven eighths. Okay. So there is a linkage that Fannie Mae, who buys these loans, has between credit score and down payment. So there's a risk that they're measuring here. Uh-huh. Uh, so let's just term, think in terms of six and a half. Oh, there's. The, the typical answer to where rates are going is if they're either going to go up or down or stay the same. Right. Uh, I think that the group who says they're going to stay the same would be the group who says that there's stability. And there's very few of those people uh-huh. who think that we're in a stable market. They think it's that we have a group who honestly believes it could edge up toward eight. Oh. It's a small group. Okay. There's a larger group who believe for all logical reasons that we're actually going to head down next year into the high fives, high okay. to mid fives. Um, so that's the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some really smart folks on both sides of the ledger, but I think that the the ones that make sense to me are the ones that who are, are the ones who are predicting that we've capped mm-hmm. and now we're really headed down. Okay. Um, Let's hope so. And I could dig into some of the reasons why, but that's really my prediction would be that next year we're going to be in the fives. Okay. All right. Just slowly get there. Slowly we only predict there. one more um, Fed move this year. Mm-hmm. And the Chairman Powell has been table pounding for the last three or four of his meetings that he gives after the Fed meetings. He uh-huh. gives a little interview and it's almost the guy you could... It's like the dark night. I mean, the guy was table pounding. We're going to stamp out inflation. We're going to get to 2%. And it's, it really sounded very militant. Well, after the last one that just happened last week, mm-hmm. completely different tone. Yeah. It was more conciliatory. It was more like, you know, we think we're probably going to get to 4.5% inflation by the end of the year. And this is sort of a long, it was reasonable. It was uh-huh. a reasonable approach. And we, I think that uh, that's also supportive of lower rates Okay. as we go through the year. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but over a little bit of time, we're gonna, I think we're going to trail down, but that's me. Now, do you think Chairman Powell was being the way he was being because of Silicon Valley Bank and wow. all that? That was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because we saw our rates drop a quarter percent on, on a day, uh-huh. and the whole thing had to do with what we call flight to safety. The investors... Uh, who might be putting their money in the stock market, mm-hmm. all of a sudden threw their money into bonds, which is where mortgages mm-hmm. are. And we, so we were flush with cash and the markets dropped and whatnot, thinking, oh my gosh, do we have a terrible banking issue here? I don't, I think we had a couple of outliers mm-hmm. uh, that were doing some things they probably shouldn't have been doing. Uh, but I don't see it, um, our banking system safe and sound. I don't, they actually increased 
the Fed rate by a quarter percent mm -hmm. in the face of this. Yeah. So there were a lot of people saying, oh, they're not going to increase the rate because they're so concerned about what this might do to people's perception of banks. I think it strengthened people's perceptions of the banking industry by continuing along their path mm -hmm. without making a special exception for, honestly, what I just believe are a couple of banks that are just outliers. Yeah. They weren't indicative of a problem in well, the system. All right. All right. Well, good. I'm glad... I'm glad it's not a problem. I yeah. wonder what I just said. I'm always wondering what I'm going to say to you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> What's going to come out of his mouth? Well, we we go on tangents, That's you know. It. We, we it just kind of snowballs. sort of organic. It you know? is organic. Right. It's an organic conversation. Right. We have I have like these three questions prepared, and then then the it turns into twenty questions, and yeah, you that's know. it. Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's, that's life. That's okay. That's why these conversations are interesting yeah. and informative. That's why I, I have to look at the playback. Exactly. Well, okay. <laughs> so I can feel whether I've informed in it. No problem. That, right. That's you know we'll 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 do that for sure. So so yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, right now the FHA FHA loans have changed a little bit. They have. FHA is the granddaddy of all loans. It's the uh, 1934. Fantastic. Uh, it was the original 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. They didn't have 30-year fixed-rate mortgages before that. Prior to that, you had to put 20, 30% down. You might get an arm that adjusts every six months. You'd pay interest only. I hope the bank was there when you went back six months later. This is back in the the O's in the 1910s and up to the 20s. Okay. And they really had some real problems. So they created FHA because it allowed 3% down payment. Mm -hmm. And this is soapbox. It helped create a middle class. Yeah. People being able to own their home was the foundation of a middle class in the country. We had a merchant class, and we had a rich class, and a poor class, but a middle class, really, housing was what it was all about. So it was a stroke of genius. Uh, so what um, FDR did in that program, he created FHA, 3% down, and the lenders who would not lend with 3% down, well, now we're gonna have a federal mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. This mortgage insurance would pay you, Mr. Lender, if you had a loss, by doing this loan based on our rules, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of ratios and what kind of documents we want you to get. But uh, if you incur a loss, we're going to reimburse you through this insurance fund. So it was the original mortgage insurance. So they have been, uh, they've changed over the years. Uh, I've been in the business since 74 and I've probably seen five different adjustments to how they do their mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. Most recently, they were charging 0.85% per year for mortgage insurance. Now, that, how do we equate that? That's $850 a year on a $100,000 loan. Okay. Divided by 12. And, so on a $200,000 loan, oh, 1,700 divided mm -hmm. by 12. Um, and that mortgage insurance, as the regulations currently sit, is for the life of the loan. Will mm -hmm. never drop off. Now, that's if you put the... the three and a half percent, which is the minimum down payment these days. If you put 10% down, it'll fall away at 11 years, but we're gonna okay. talk about the minimum down version. Mm -hmm. So it'll be there for the life of the loan. And at 0.85%, it was not as competitive compared to private mortgage insurance. Private PMI created in 1954. So they, were the, they watched FHA do insured mortgages for 20 years and then said, hey, why don't we do this unconventional loan? So a private mortgage insurance industry got created. So we have PMI. And when you're talking with people about putting minimum down, 3% for a first-time buyer for conventional, 3.5%, you don't have to be a first-time buyer, but 3.5% for FHA. Right. Those are where our minimum down payments are. But when I was comparing private mortgage insurance, FHA, this 0.85 was really, it had really caused... A, a quite a bit of a reduction in the number of FHA loans. Okay. People were looking at this 0.85 as, I mean, forever and ever? Can't get rid of it? This is too high. Right. And we actually saw over a two or three year period of time, the pendulum swing to more 3% down conventional than FHA. Well, three weeks ago, they changed this to 0.55%. So okay. now they've wow. lowered it by 30 basis points. I got some, it used to, on a $275,000 loan, it used to be $194, now it's 126. So it's a $70 yeah. drop per month. Huge. That's huge. It really is. And we, I've, we already, 
I've already done three of those, and uh, I feel much more comfortable. FHA has a lot of other positives to it. It's more liberal when it comes to the qualifying ratios. Um, and interestingly, I was talking earlier about the interest rates on that 720 score, 275,000 loan conventional right. was six and seven eighths. Right, yeah. FHA is six and one eighth. See, that's amazing. So you're saving on mortgage insurance and... and three quarters of a percent. So yeah. if you just add the 0.55 to the six and an eighth, you're not even up to where the base rate is on the conventional. That's So it's really become... And FHA loans, I'm talking too fast. Uh, F, uh, Fannie Mae is the purchaser of conventional loans. Uh-huh. And they're insured by a private company. FHA loans are insured by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. FHA loans, VA loans, and USDA loans are government insured or guaranteed. They get bundled and they sold into a Ginnie Mae security, not a Fannie Mae mm-hmm. security. And those, because they're so protected by the government, mm-hmm. three-quarter percent difference in the interest rate. So we are really seeing FHA jump back into mainstream that's because a, of that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really great. Now, FHA isn't for everybody. Nope. Well, so. and, uh, there is a limit. $472,000 is the maximum loan that we will do in this mm. market, which honestly covers a lot of homes. It does. Uh, but it is it is not for everybody. Uh, true. Yeah, yeah. So who could not get an FHA loan? If you, if you already have an existing FHA loan. Okay. You can only have one at a time. Right. FHA is the nation's lender, Mm -hmm. so they are more broadly available than anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, There are are fewer restrictions on FHA than on conventional. Do you have in mind any particular... Well, for example, even if you don't have an FHA loan, but you have a conventional loan on a different house, you're buying... An, another house you can't get an fha loan you can uh, you can yeah okay see i didn't know that see, i thought you couldn't there and a lot of these a lot of these rules have changed okay so the fha um you could own five investment properties okay and get an fha's owner owner occupancy exactly all right so but if you had five investment properties and you want to get an fha loan it's okay. Okay. But if you get an FHA loan and you live in the house because you're required to, uh, you can't then go down the street and get another FHA. They only right. like there's there's a couple of exceptions if you get transferred over 100 miles away, mm-hmm. if your family size doubles. I mean, there's sometimes they'll allow you to have two FHAs in the same market. But other than that, FHA is not restricted to first time buyer. It's completely wide open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a it wonderful. Is. How about credit score? Uh, credit score for the the minimum credit score for conventional says six twenty, mm-hmm. and conventional will now allow you to average two scores. If one is six fifty and the other one's six ten, mm-hmm. they'll allow you to average it so that the average is above six twenty. Uh-huh. They're going to have you price it based on six ten. Very very high Interesting. pricing. FHA states. 580. Oh, wow. But there's a lot of caveats that go with that. There's going to be a review in underwriting. Mm -hmm. A 580 score, there's something going on. Right. They will actually consider a 520 with a lot of money down. But again, there's a lot going on. Sure. Lenders are not going to make a bad credit loan. Mm -hmm. But if they can determine that the reasons behind the score are not are those that are not um, pointing at a borrower who doesn't want to make their payments some other thing yeah so there's but 580 is really the number and I honestly once we get into the 580s we're looking at some credit that's going to have to have a lot of explanation mm-hmm. and it still may not make it honestly when we get into those credit score levels nine times out of ten the Fannie Mae decisioning software that we use, Instead of giving us an approve eligible, we'll give us a refer. Okay. And, and a refer means it has to go to a flesh and blood underwriter. It's not going to be decisioned initially by the Fannie Mae software. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and once it gets to a manual underwrite, 
whole new book of, of rules, much oh. more stringent, lower um, qualifying ratios allowed, uh, much more stringent guidelines. So technically the answer to your question is 580. Uh, once we get below the 620, there are often challenges that mm-hmm. that are ha- have an impact on the file that we really can't predict. And obviously, I want to be able to provide you as a realtor with a pre-qualification letter, and I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. unless I can stand behind it. Right. So uh, until I can clear all the contingent liability that might be involved with a particular credit score, mm-hmm. I'm going to take some time before I give the people a prequel. So, so yes. Yeah, so nowadays, so the market is shifting slightly, slightly in favor of buyers. Yes, ma'am. Slightly, though. I don't see it in every every no, case. No, but now there's. It's like I've I've stopped seeing ten other contracts on the yeah. property, and started seeing two or three. Right. And honestly, that is a incredible improvement it's helping the buyers out a lot less competition right right and then a lot of sellers are offering some incentives yes ma'am and um, And they were very wise yes and so one of them is to buy down mortgage points correct a lot of people have no idea what that means okay i like the whole idea of seller concessions when um, when i think of sellers who are only accept cash then there's this little pyramid of people who that will buy their house and if you bring it down one level conventional financing and if you bring it down another you just keep broadening it yeah VA and FHA entertain those as a seller and then the broadest is the bottom where the seller would consider providing a concession to Mm. the buyer a a seller concession is completely legal Uh, the amount that a seller may provide in a concession varies based upon how much down payment on a conventional loan Uh with 5% down the seller can give uh, 3% Okay. So on a $300,000 purchase, the seller could contribute $9,000 yeah. toward the buyer's settlement charges. I don't know that they'd be that high, but again, they, and they can't exceed what they are. Sure. Um, that's a goodly amount. Now, uh, with 10% down, it can be 6%. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they'd be paying because credit, the, the closing costs aren't that high. Right. FHA standard, 6% is allowed for the seller to pay. Now, okay. how that is applied, one of the most interesting ones is the buy-down. Yeah. What well, we call it a whole loan buy-down. And, and if you conceptualize, you are uh, the, the investor on a mortgage. Uh, the investor has, a, has millions of dollars to lend, and they have somebody who works for them who tells them, today you should be able to get six and a half. The investor says, okay. His mm-hmm. finance guy says six and a half. So we create a mortgage, and the mortgage is good credit, and it's, it, it is investment quality, and that's what they're looking for. So we call up the investor, and we say, we have a 6.5% note and mm-hmm. mortgage, and it's for $100,000, and the investor says, sold. So we give them the note, and they give us $100,000. Okay. But then we call them up the next day, and we say, you know what? We have a... Another perfect mortgage, but the person doesn't want to pay six and a half percent, they want to pay six. Mm-hmm. So the investor asks his finance guy, What is the rate today? And he said, You should be able to get six and a half. So he gets on the phone and he says, Well, I should be able to get six and a half, but that is a good investment. Mm-hmm. So I will allow you to have a six percent rate, but I need something else in cash so that it will be equivalent in yield to six and a half. So you mm-hmm. can give me the 6% interest rate note and money. Mm-hmm. So when money is paid to lower the rate, we're buying down the rate. That's all we're doing is paying money to the investor up front, And the investor is going to receive an equivalent yield when they look at the rate on the note and the mm-hmm. money that they're receiving. So all the buy down is, is giving the investor the same yield in a different format. So we can buy it down. And on any, I wish that I could tell you that there was um, a straight line. And if you pay this percent of the loan amount, it'll go down an eighth percent. If you can pay this percent, trying to find a linear way to what I basically, I think in terms of one half percent of the 
I need to define points. Yes, define points because okay. yeah, define we everything. We talk in terms of points. It's right. it, it's a it's a unit of measure. Mm-hmm. One point is one percent of the loan amount. Okay. My, my two hundred seventy-five thousand dollar loan. One point is two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Okay. What's weird is that if we're going to charge any any amount, we we say. If we're going to charge $500, we say $500 in points. Well, a point is 1% of the loan amount. So we're, it's a unit of measure. It's a, it's a term we use to describe money that's paid to lower the rate. That's, so points are the label we give. In my early example where the guy got the 6% rate uh-huh. and had to pay money, the money he paid was points. So that's okay. we just, okay. we're buying it down by paying points. Okay. okay. All right, where was I going? So currently, if I had the $275,000 loan, mm-hmm. it would take one point to buy it down a half percent. Okay. Now this, I wish I could say was law, but every single day we look at a rate sheet and every single day, the each eighth of a percent is a different price and it's not exactly linear. It's kind of close, mm-hmm. but it... But to, for the sake of having a thumbnail gauge, okay. think of every one point you pay will lower the rate half percent. Okay. So if we were to lower the rate on our 275 loan from six and a half to six, it's going to uh-huh. cost us $2,750. Okay. The seller could pay it. Yay. The buyer could pay it. Yeah. And what it's going to do is reduce the payment by $90. Okay. Now that doesn't seem like a lot. So the way we look at it is, well, okay, if I'm paying $2,750 at closing and I'm saving $90 a month, well, how long is it going to take for me to recoup the money right. I just paid? 30 months. Okay. So Two and a half years. Yeah. So from every day that those, every month those people live in that property beyond two and a half years, it's gravy. Okay. Whether they pay it, it's really gravy if the seller pays it. Yeah, I mean, it's talk fantastic. about a concession. That's a lifelong concession. If they stay for 30 years, no telling what the savings on a half percent on a 275 loan would be. It's in the tens of thousands of dollars. So it is a, and what's the neat thing is that a lot of thoughtful sellers, I was talking about broadening the pyramid. Yeah. If you're wanting to make your home just, uh, stand out, uh-huh. on a competitive nature because there's lots of houses on the market if you want makers to stand out if you're willing to offer this type of thing just say this is how much of a concession i'm willing to provide mm-hmm. and then the realtor and the buyer can decide how to use it well if right. i can use this on down for my buy down yay maybe i'll use it to offset closing costs uh, but the buy down itself is i think just has lifelong as long as those people live in that property, they are going to receive the benefit of that lower rate. And I just think that's that's really cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know because, I mean, I've read about it and everything. I've read about it in your newsletter, in fact, and I've explained it to people, but it's good to have it explained by you to our audience. I hope that made sense. It made sense. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one point equal ha- equals half a percent. That is the rule of thumb that I'm using yeah. right now, yes. Yeah. What you do is call the lender on any given day and, and ask precisely what it is. But that's mm. that really is close. Do you have to lock that in? When Yes. I yeah. mean, we the borrower has to select a rate at some point in time in the process. Mm-hmm. We... Ask them up front because you're always, I mean, what you're always talking interest rate. So most people will choose to lock right at the outset for 30 mm-hmm. or 45 or 60 days. There's, mm-hmm. there's a different price. But they are perfectly free to float. Um, I have a couple right now who, who really feel that the market's going to go down in the next 30 days. Oh. So we're, we're processing the loan because they're required to apply within five days per year contract. Uh, so their loans in process and the appraisals already in, um, and they're about 10 days before closing. That's when we need to do our final lock mm-hmm. process. Uh, and so far it's working out for them. Okay. So, well, I mean, good for them. And my secondary market department loves it when somebody decides to float because, uh, if they're, if they're providing a bet on rates, that's what secondary market departments do for giving you a 30 day quote. Anything could happen in 30 days, and it yeah. might be a lousy quote down the road. So they're all, they're happy when a borrower 
decides to float their lock okay. until later. But if you do that, then you don't know what to ask the seller for if you want that. Actually, to. in that case, you just say this to Mr. Seller, how much? Yeah. And that's, I think, smart. The seller wants to know, even in terms of couching the phraseology of the, of the contract, because the, a one point if you, on a 5% down loan is different than a 10% down loan. So I always, I always think it's positive if the seller quantifies the amount that they're willing to provide in a cash concession. Okay. Yeah. And then allow the borrower to apply that however they wish to apply right. it um so but you're right we won't know precisely how to apply that to the buy down until the day that they lock okay but right. roughly equivalent one point for half percent okay all right perfect and most people do lock up front anyway they mo so. yes I, I strongly advise it there's so many other things going on lock and don't look back that's what i do and what, okay, so here we go. I know what lock means. What does lock mean? That means oh. that when we, uh, that uh, we're committing to you, Mr. Buyer, mm -hmm. or Mrs. Buyer, yes. we're committing to you to provide this interest rate at this loan fee, whether it's a zero loan fee or whatever. We are committed to provide you with that for a closing that occurs within the next X day, 30 days mm -hmm. or 45. And that means that if someone selects locking if the rates actually fall we will not lower the rate right if the rates go up we will not increase the rate exactly. we are it is a commitment that we're making that we will deliver that product and you say we can lock 30 45 or even 60 days yes, now what changes there like is the uh, pricing on a mortgage i was saying earlier that uh 780 score and a 720 score got different results in interest rate right that's because they were risk there's also a risk to time mm -hmm. if a lender is going to guarantee a rate for 30 days or 45 well for, there's greater risk sure in 45 days and there's greater risk than that in 60 so there are slight increases in cost okay for the longer you lock okay. just because it's interest rate risk i figured yeah, yeah. there are extended locks we, we call extended 90 120. Uh -huh. there are extended locks available but we we price them in a way that they're more expensive than the 60s sure and typically we require somebody to put some money up front okay now this is a deposit that they only lose if they don't close Mm -hmm. with us okay but we apply it it's not an additional cost it's sort of a security department a deposit on our part because we're when a lender locks a loan there's a lot of things going on in the background they actually hedge that risk they mm -hmm. actually purchase a commodity that hedges the loss they made it they might incur mm -hmm. if this was a it, it works inversely to the value of the mortgage. It's really okay. weird. Uh, we're not in the business of trying to make money on interest mm -hmm. rates. What we all we do is close loans and collect monthly payments from people. Uh -huh. But this whole interest rate risk is uh, severe. So when you're, I'm dragging you through the weeds here, but no, if, if you're in the market, in the secondary, if you're in the pricing department of a mortgage company and you're offering an interest rate that you're guaranteeing for 90 days, mm -hmm. You're, you actually purchase a commodity over here so that if this loses value, this gains value. Okay. And they're trying to find the, the perfect hedge product, but it costs money to buy that. Right. So when somebody says, lock me, bingo. I just go in and hit the computer and lock. In the background, we're guaranteeing the availability of that money by actually pledging some, some bucks here. Uh -huh. it's, it's not a no cost type of operation it's all built into every marketing department around does that make any sense what i just yeah yeah it makes sense and so if you have to put some money down a good faith deposit almost and it's applicable uh -huh, it's right. only if you walk actually is trying to make up the money on the hedge cost yeah. we just lost sure but we're happy as a clam to um lock it out for mm -hmm. oh golly i've seen if on new construction i mean we're talking 180 yeah. a year yeah those kinds of things. 
And in those cases, well, we're getting far afield, but on those cases, we'll cap how much it can go in the next year. Oh, wow. And then when it gets within 60 days of closing a year from now, it's either the capped rate or lower, wherever okay. it happens to be. We're trying to do everything we can to address this question mark of rate, which flows down into payment, which flows down to worry on the part of the borrower. We're trying to do everything we can to address those numbers early in the process. Uh, but you're right. A lot of folks are looking at the 90 days right yeah. now. And we fully can handle that. It's just not. It's just an extended lock rather than a normal me hit the button. Sure, sure. And for so, but, and what I'd like to know is if you're going to put some money down because the it's so extended, yeah. is that a percentage of what you think you're going to buy? I think it's one, I think it's half a point, and I'd really have to get back to you on it. But okay. I think it's the equivalent of one half percent of the loan amount. Okay. So it's hundred thousand dollar loan, five hundred bucks. Okay. But again. We don't keep that. It is applied at the of course. End. It's given of course. back. It's just sort of a, secures the money. Yeah, yeah. No, and you have to do that. And it yeah. makes sense. That's the way completely. we do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay. Very neat. Um, good to know because I'm, I'm working right now in situations like that. And I actually have the seller, but I want to know if the buyer can do that. And um, we can close a little later. Um, I always stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. There are times when we've had folks do the closing early and the seller staying in the house. Yes, but they don't want to do that in this no. case. And I, that's why I stay in my lane. Right. But I, but I have seen, uh, because we actually, on our conventional product, we will allow someone to close 90 days before their job starts. If okay. it's a job... The typical job of the at UF, where we have a contract, a bona fide contract that mm -hmm. is going to start, and it's signed and sealed and delivered, we'll actually close a loan 90 days before, which is where we get into this. The people who are coming in want their level of comfort that they know where we're going. Mm -hmm. They're in their house before they start work. I mean, they, exactly. whatever. Um, and sometimes that's when we run into the seller. Yeah. Continued occupancy agreement. But yeah. again, you're Yes. Learning. Yeah. Seller post-close occupancy agreement is, uh, it, it can be a great thing. Um, or but it can it's, be a challenge. Right. <laughs> it can be a challenge. Yeah. So um, it's, it's. I get it. Yeah. I, I do. I get it as well. So, you know, I think, I think it depends on the seller and how much you trust the seller. And I always say, how well kept is the house? That's it. <laughs> when are we going to do our walkthrough before you leave? I mean, at closing or, you know, exactly. Uh, exactly. I didn't know you were taking that mantelpiece. It's best to keep it clean. Yeah. It's um, I'm just there are. Yeah. At least we we can occasionally deal with the situation that requires some yeah. unique treatment. So. Yeah. And for to lock in um, for an extended amount, can that be any kind of loan, conventional VA, FHA, or is it just one type of loan? You know, what a great question. I know for all of our conventionals, I'm going to say all of them. Okay. All right. Because we hedge them virtually the same. If that's different, I'll get back to you. Okay. But it's all of our products. Okay. Good to know. I'm working with a VA loan right now. I have love I have, VA. I've I've used mine four times. It's the best product on the planet. It it's wonderful. A lot of people are really afraid of VA loans. And I don't understand. I don't either. They're guaranteed. Yeah. So uh, you this know, is, this is truly. Um, I, I I don't understand why there's any hesitancy on the part of sellers. Right. To accept them, there's uh, the appraisal is standard. Yeah. Uh, it's. The same, often this well. There's only four fee appraisers that do uh, VA, but they're doing the they're they're done with the same standard as a normal conventional loan. There's no secret about it. Exactly, and somebody who's applying for a VA loan is guaranteed to get the loan, pretty much. I mean, unless something crazy the, happens. Yes, you know, they um, VA wants to assist veterans, so we see right. them. Almost all the rules are pro vet, and I've seen some that. Um, are unusually supportive of the veteran during the process. It's almost they uh, they have the veterans back, mm -hmm. and everybody everybody knows it. 
Yeah. But it's it's an excellent product. It and is. And very simple. And and it's changed a little bit recently in terms of uh, They lowered wood. the VA funding fee a smidge. Uh-huh. Um, back in 1983, Reagan started charging uh, a, an administration fee mm-hmm. to basically have the agency pay for what it was doing, and it was equal to one half percent of the loan amount that they would charge the vet and they'd add it they actually added it to the loan uh-huh hundred thousand five hundred dollars rather than a hundred thousand so you could finance it that has now risen uh, up into up to two point three percent but that's down from where it was a few but again it's financed um, right it, it's just a VA it's a fee to pay for the Veterans Administration processing of sure. the loan. But it, even with that, it's still the, the rates are half, three quarters percent lower than conventional. And the qualifying is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, veterans are well taken care of with that product. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not afraid of them. As I just some... don't understand why some sell. I, and I honestly believe yeah. it comes down to how familiar the professional is who's working with the seller. Right. Uh, they, there is no need to have any apprehension. There's no special fees. I've heard all sorts of things that sellers have to pay some special fees on a VA loan. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Yeah. Uh, this, th- these wives' tales, old wives' tales, yeah. get started, and I honestly don't know how to stamp them out. So. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, education. Yes, ma'am. It's over the only and over. Way. It's the only way. Maybe something else for your newsletter now. I'll hit that. I'll hit, hit that. VA loans because it's things are picking up in the market right now. Yes. So you know when you have several offers on a house and you want to know which loan would be the best one to to accept if you've got multiple offers with the exact same price or you know higher price or whatever, then you know which one would be the best option. It doesn't mean that VA would be the last resort on on a list like that. Correct. And the impact on the, I mean, there is no impact on the seller. Right. Uh, there's no special fee they're going to have to pay. There's no, uh, the, there's no costs that the seller is going to incur, whether it's a 100% loan or an 80% of value conventional loan. Everything yeah. is going to be the same. Uh, and often that VA buyer is much, much, much better qualified than a lot of the alternative is folks. But, sure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, for sure. You just need you just need a roof that's not old. That's all. That's that is that's the, the biggest deal. I have had more challenges with roofs. Yeah. In helping people um, qualify to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the roof, as you know, my wife is an is a property insurance underwriter. Mm-hmm. So I hear this on a daily basis. Right. But we are uh, as soon as that roof gets 15 years or so we are really finding a, a, a much smaller group of potential carriers we've mm-hmm. lost so many oh yeah um and then just the prices are going up now i think well there was a special legislative session this past december mm-hmm. that addressed a lot of the issues and hopefully yeah. we're going to see that uh, we're seeing a lot of folks use citizens, which is a kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Citizens was always the insurer of last resort <laughs> and always much more expensive. I mean, if yeah. you were going to build the wacky thing and you needed to insure it, you could go to citizens. But as the rest of the natural law, mm-hmm. the, 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 the rates and premiums have risen for the private industry, citizens didn't raise theirs as fast. So they're still down yeah. there at the bottom and boy oh boy are we seeing a huge percentage of the new insurance policies going to citizens just based on price i think within a year year and a half we're going to see citizens reach a critical point where they're mm-hmm. not going to think that the government should be in the mortgage the the home insurance business uh-huh. i've never i'm glad that they're sort of there as a backstop but now they've become mainstream yeah and any time a government gets into mainstream private enterprise, I, it's like, uh, the government's here to help you, please, you know, don't. Uh, that, those are the last words you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I'm t- I've had three clients right now that a year ago, I was working with them, and they decided not to buy. 
interesting. And now they're probably kicking themselves for not buying. And not, it's and it, yes, the rate. Yeah. But the prices. Right. Everybody they, always thinks that the if I hold off until I save ten percent, mm -hmm. if I hold off until I save another twenty percent, if I the only better time to buy than today is yesterday. Yeah, I there like that. There is no better time. But uh, all of these people, you know, they've all done the mea culpas, um, and all three of them are buying. Yeah. And even though it's a higher rate, they know they're not going to lose money. And right. if the rates go down, they can refinance. Exactly. And refinancing is not hard. Uh, yeah, there, it costs a little bit of money. Uh, there are some duplication of costs you have to pay us again. Uh, but you can use the same survey and go back to the same, yeah. um, if you use the same lender, you can go back to the same title company and get a substitution rate, which is much, much lower than normal title insurance. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways to, you can save some money, but uh, if the rate drops 1% in this, kind, and typically 1%, one and a quarter, it'll pay off mm -hmm. within three and a half years. Oh, well. The additional cost. So this, which is honestly the um, the corollary to the buy down. If you're paying your own money, yeah, you're paying your two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars to buy it down a half percent. And a year from now, the rates go down to five and a half. Mm -hmm. Did you waste your money? So that is that is the conversation I'm having with people right now. There is a reason. Uh, the market in mortgage banking parlance has topped. Mm -hmm. You've heard of um, doing premium pricing where we will, uh, the normal rate is six and a half. Mm -hmm. Well, how about a six and three quarters? You, well, wait a minute. If six and a half is zero points, what happens at six and three quarters? We give you money. Oh. So it's premium priced. We've uh, You can actually do a higher rate loan and flow that money down to the borrower's closing costs. Okay. And we've done that three or four times. The key is we're now in a market where the pricing hardly has anything above. And the reason is that the market, whoever the market is, these mm. doesn't think where is, there is an above. They think, wait a minute, if we do this loan, all it can do is refinance in a couple of years. In other words, mm. we've reached a point where the market is not, is telegraphing to us in their pricing that they're concerned that the, of the value of these mortgages is gonna, isn't that great because they'll be refinanced in a couple of years, which mm. is telegraphing, they think the rates are gonna be going yeah. low enough to refi, which brings us back to, if you can buy it down and you're saving $90 a month and you recoup your savings in 30 months, do you do that with the full understanding that the rates might yeah. go to five and a half next year? So it's interesting discussion. Yeah. It becomes, uh, that's why if the seller's paying. Exactly, that's what I was gonna say. If the yay. seller's paying, then yeah, exactly. So Wonderful. it's, uh, there are, I, it's a fascinating job. Um, but I wish I, after all these years, I just can't predict anything. Uh, yeah like most people in my industry, I just react to what's happening and mm -hmm. try to, um, the best thing that's happening here is somebody's buying a house and mm -hmm. they will never regret it. Yeah. That is going to be the linchpin for their, uh, net worth mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. That'll be that core element and, uh, can't beat that especially when you see young folks making their first. I think the yeah. challenge that we're having here is that buyers now who are 30, mm -hmm. for the last 10 years, from the time they were 20, if they had any vision of mortgages or buying, mm. the frame of reference was 4%, mm. four and a half maybe. That was their frame of reference. They heard about these twos and threes. Yeah. but. Now they're looking at the six, and it's taking a little bit of a psychological oh, yeah. adjustment because they, their whole frame of reference is that prior 10 years when the government was 
artificially exactly. keeping our rates low. Yeah. Um, and now we're we're much more up to the natural law where we're watching things exactly. go. Um, so it's they're overcoming this the psychological piece, but they're making the right decision. Yeah, for yeah, dang sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, the prices, home prices continue to rise. So whatever you're buying today is most likely going to appreciate unless we get some crazy thing like what happened, you know, in uh, 2000. Even then, seven, I have, you know, even then, when I look at five-year uh, mm -hmm. projections, and I've gone back, I have, a, you know, me, I like just to analyze things. So I went yeah. back all the way to the 70s and tracked five years out rate uh, house price and appreciation rates and uh -huh. whatnot um except for the one unique period the 2008 through 2004 13 14 time uh -huh. frame you never lose money yeah regardless of what the appreciation rate was on that particular day when you look at the five-year projections exactly. you never are upside down uh that particular 2008, 2013, sure. that'll never happen again. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> hope not, you know. at least not in our lifetimes. No, the, the, so. the mechanics, the, the fundamentals can't be repeated. Mm -hmm. um, it, technically, uh, structurally, they can't be repeated. Okay. Uh, we can no longer, the, the kind of loans that are being done that created that mess are no longer even legal. Exactly, so, yeah, so. yeah. It's yeah, gone. so a lot because a lot of people were, you know, were just saying, "Oh, it's going to be just like the crash, just like the crash." And no. I'm like, "No, it's no. really not." No. I think <laughs> we've seen it. On a, I mean, this, oh. Well, and you know, predictions are fine. Everybody has the right to have one. I just some of these doom and gloomers are nuts. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I have. There was I don't say who, but a major network that is known for business. Uh huh this person who's in charge of their housing sector, I have quotes going back seven years. Every single solitary quote was that all this negative stuff. Uh-huh. And, and we tracked it against a particular property value. And it, it was almost as if every time the whatever she said, I mean, just get pumping and bumping. Right. So anybody who began listening to this person who, if you had to make a choice, well, am I going to buy this house or not? Well, they, uh, that person says I shouldn't right now. Well, the person who did, now we're watching how the thing, the thing is worth $150,000 more over that period of time. Right. Rather than listening to the experts. So some people I think, uh, well, um, pain sells, uh, bad stuff sells and yeah. doom and gloom. Uh, is good for ratings. Uh, we are seeing a pause, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but that's it. Slight. We're not seeing any huge drop. No. And if there are, although what's funny is they'll find some isolated neighborhood mm -hmm. in some isolated town that you can't <laughs> even find in a Rand McNally map. But then they'll write the story about that particular of neighborhood, um, the doom and gloom. Now, no. this, and Gainesville especially, I mean, right. this is this such, was... it's almost as like there's a wall around us. We have our own demand mm -hmm. that just keeps growing. It's huge. And we have, if, if not a shrinking supply, we don't have really a growing supply, no. which is why we're seeing rents go up. I mean, you can either pay your mortgage or you can pay their mortgage. Exactly. And pay your mortgage. <laughs> right. Because, uh, I mean, they're happy as a clam that you're paying their mortgage. But for crying out loud, grab a hold of that tiger and hold onto its ears and, and ride it. Because okay. um, it's it's the only game in town. Yeah. Uh, the more people delay, I want to save $3,000 more. Oh, really? How long is it going to take you? Well, it might take me six months. Okay, do you want to see what the house price is going to be six months from now? Exactly. It's not going to matter a difference. What you need to do at this joint, at this, at this moment in time, talk to a mortgage loan officer, any mortgage loan officer, and find out 
what you can be pre-qualified for. Find out, or find out. I talk to people all the day long. I'm not ready to buy until next summer, not till next fall, not till next year. What do I need to know? Hey, let's talk about it. Because you can be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all the things there are, people can, it's like they feel there's a lot of hurdles to buying. Mm-hmm. They have no idea how many non-hurdles those are. They, if you just have a good, open, wide open conversation with a good realtor and a good loan officer and 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 share yeah well gee, i was really kind of concerned because i was going to get some money from my dad yay yippee i got money from my dad in 1974 when i bought a house <laughs> gift letters have been around forever exactly and you may be thinking that's against some rule um there's a lot of you know, it's like reticular attraction. You buy a red car and all you see is red cars. Right. In real estate, ever, there's always people talking about real estate. You're standing in McDonald's or wherever you are and somebody's talking about real estate. Oh, yeah. But there's always an expert there mm-hmm. who, if you want to get the straight skinny, talk to a professional realtor and talk to a loan officer. Yes. Because the person who's standing next to you at McDonald's has no idea. is not the expert. No. Uh, and if you... Sometimes it takes a plan. Um, sometimes it takes a plan. People, sometimes, I could get off into all sorts of little <clears throat> tangents, little things. When I'm talking to somebody, well, how much money do you have in the bank? Uh, I actually have $12,000. I think that's wonderful. And if you're doing an online application, you type in 12. Uh-huh. The next question is, have there been any large deposits in the last two months? Oh, yeah, I put $10,000 in last week. Okay. Well, the... The online application doesn't ask that, but all of a sudden the next question is, where'd the 10,000 come from? It was in my drawer. I've been saving it as cash. <laughs> now we, especially in Florida, if a hurricane comes along, there's a lot of people who have cash on hand. Uh-huh. They wanna have the cash. I like this, it's like a little, yes. a lot of cash. Yes. <laughs> people have cash Any on rate. hand. So I had to say, I'm afraid cash on hand isn't acceptable. And then the next, explanation is when we do a mortgage we collect the last two months bank statements right and we collect the last two months bank statements so let's talk about all the other things and then we'll talk about three months from now because Mm -hmm. the last two months bank statements is what we're going to be looking at we have no idea what happened in those bank statements before that Mm -hmm. so if you want to season your money which is your money and we should be able to count it but the doggone rules say we can't put it in the bank Two months from now, we'll have two months bank statements and there won't be any large $10,000 influ- infusion of cash that we can't explain. Exactly. And everything is completely above board and it's completely legal. Yeah. And I'm very sorry that the cash on hand can't count. It's just one of those, it's one mm-hmm. of those things. But that's one of those surprises that if you have a conversation and have a really full conversation with a good loan officer, then you can set yourself up so that it just rolls downhill when you want to buy your house. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's why a realtor can point you to somebody who they know, like, and trust. And realtors have seen the other side of this, mm-hmm. where the commitment letter doesn't really stand up. Mm-hmm. And know the kind of ramification that there are when um, everybody is all stretched out and then all of a sudden... Um, the loan, the pre-qualification letter isn't worth the paper it was printed on. It just wasn't yeah. done right. So yeah, the realtor is, to me, the realtor is the center. I hate for sale by owner transactions. Well, so do realtors. <laughs> it's nuts. No one's in charge. Right. But somebody knew somebody who knew somebody. And and the way this should work, the realtor's right in the middle of the transaction and everything mm-hmm. revolves around the realtor. Uh, it's perfect the way this little thing works. Yeah. Um, but without somebody who really knows what they're doing in the middle, being the ringleader, because it is a circus. I oh, mean, it's a, with yeah. come, I mean, you you do this thing with aplomb and, and it's, you, you glide over the top. But I know what's going on <laughs> to keep all that stuff together because it is a circus. Um so that it looks just seamless. Mm-hmm. Everybody ends up with a smile on your face at the end. Um, Realtor is the place to start always, and it doesn't cost the buyer a dime. Right. I mean, give me a break. It doesn't cost a dime to have incredible 
professional representation and guidance. How often does that happen? Exactly. So. Well, and and it does cost the seller some, but we end up making them more money than yes, if they went at it alone. I have seen that a hundred times. Yep. Yep. So there you go. All right. Well, Dan, you're awesome. <laughs> I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm anxious to hear what I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll play it back to you. How about okay. that? Yes, yeah. but it's uh, it was very informative. Well, I enjoy these get-togethers. I truly do. Yes. Well, thank you. All right. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you, Dan, for being on the sh- on the podcast again. I right. hope everybody who's listening got a lot out of this, and I would think that they did because you always have a font so. of useful information. I, so. Yeah, sometimes it's font of overflowing. Well, uh, but, um, well, if anybody has any questions, they can call you. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I strongly encourage anybody who has questions to call Dan because Dan has the answers. So, and if he doesn't, he'll look them up. I'll look them up. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And here is to the next one. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like what you hear and want to learn more about real estate and hear the occasional funny story, then hit that subscribe button right now. And if you know of someone who'd benefit from listening, then tell them to subscribe too, or else they may feel a little left out. For questions, topic suggestions, or nice comments, send an email to Anna at SegwayRE.com. We can also connect on Facebook at SegwayRE. Thanks for listening as we bring you a new way of doing real estate. Bye.